Welcome to another podcast. Uh, my name is Rosie Mutten, and of course, I always speak about my three passions in life, and that is women, Africa, and the arts. And in my queer mass um, drive this year, I'm interviewing, or rather having conversations with various organizations about what they do and how the general public um, and uh, could assist, uh, because this time of year is supposed to be the time where we spend with families, where we relax, where we have fun. Uh, but the reality is, is that over and above the trauma and the challenges that, that members of the LGBTQI community face on a day-to-day basis, the reality is that many cannot go home to a safe home. Many don't have a safe place with their families. And so that is where the, the term queer mass was, was coined. And, and it's not a term that I made up. And a term that I discovered, but it is a time of year where we try and create um, uh, focus and, and bring special attention to members of our community. And so in this conversation, I'm speaking to Rele Bohile from um, PAFSAC, which is Parents and Families of Friends of South African Queers. How are you today? Hi, Rosie. How are you? I'm good. Good, good, good. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I know that, that, that the work that you're doing uh, is incredibly, incredibly draining, um, but also incredibly rewarding. So we thank you for that. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, when, when PAFSAC started, how it originated? Okay, so our organization was fun, fa- founded in 2013. Um, we're on the 10-year mark, mm-hmm. and it was started by a group of queer women who realized that they originally worked in the queer sector, and then they realized that many of the resources go towards um, the queer person. But where is the support system really coming from? Are our homes safe, right? Mm. And then that conversation sparked the entire organization on how can we equip the people that we spend the most time with the, the place where we're supposed to find solace, how can we equip them to be able to support us and navigate it? Because when the conversation was had 10 years ago, things about religion came up, things about you know economic oppression came up and patriarchy. And that's when the whole scope of what we do formed. Yes. You know, wow. one of the, the, the problems and challenges that we do have uh, particularly with 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 our with our parents and with our community and culture attraction, it's and it's more miseducation um, about mm. the queer community. How have you managed to start these conversations, um, and how have they been received from from family members, from parents um, that that you know that are that are having difficulty with accepting the fact that they have ch- have queer children. You know, like you said, the work that we do is definitely draining, mm. um, but it's also very fulfilling because it's a journey. It doesn't, after one conversation, you don't remedy everything. It's about finding a family member that's willing to put away what they know and let go of the information that they hold on to so dearly and prioritize the safety and the love that they originally have for this family member. So it's an ongoing process. Even when we approach families, we tell them, we are not trying to tell you how to run your household. We are just saying there's this specific person that needs you to see them and love them and how you, within your capacity, how you can then go forward, building a deeper connection 
and also knowing how to protect them and also knowing how to protect yourself because some of the family members say like, okay, I don't have a problem. Like we've had a mother who'd say, I don't have a problem with my son being gay, but I fear, I fear that if it were up to me, I could put like him in a box and no one would like, you know, be so violent and so hateful towards who they are because mm. I love my child that they are, but I feel limited as a parent because my job is to protect this person, but I don't know how to because I know it's not safe. Mm. So that's when we realize that it's not all the time homophobia, it's always fear. Yeah. Like the essence of it is just genuinely fear. And the way the misinformation happens, we then go back, we first unlearn. We explain that these are systems that have been put in place. And here's why these systems have existed and how far they have penetrated you to be able to think in a specific way, function in a specific way, right? Mm. And then we ask them, are you ready to let that go? Are you ready to come with us through this journey so we can show you how to do it differently? It's not going to be easy. We're going to be here and we're going to show you how to do it to the best of your capacity. Mm. And we've had... A beautiful conversation, beautiful conversations rather, with families, with uh, uh, community members, with church leaders, with uh, people who are in the education system that say no. This is a conversation that definitely has to be had more regularly. So that that is how we do it. Yeah, mm. that's brilliant because um, you know I loved how you said that. You know, it's a lot of the unlearning because we 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 are so ingrained with patriarchal and misogynistic ideologies sometimes we've mm-hmm. literally got to constantly check ourselves all the time um and it's mm-hmm. and it's and it's incredibly powerful that you you're bringing in other stakeholders because some of these exactly. learning patterns should be taught at school and 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 if some of the curriculum should even be changed at school you know so that's mm-hmm. that's that's really really exciting and this year you had a seminar um, which, which you invited your parents, families and a- allies and it was held at the, the, the other foundation in Johannesburg. How was, how was that received and would you, you care to share what, what, what your findings were in, in that se- seminar? Definitely. Okay. So it was an amazing event. The planning was strenuous because it was the first time we had such a big event. We usually work in specific provinces, right? Mm. And luckily... Had, uh, funders that were open to giving us this platform. So we wanted to make sure that it reached as far as it can go, right? Um, so we had families from family members from different provinces. They came in and we, we made sure it was close towards the event of Soweto Pride because that is when we want to make it known, mm. especially in Soweto, that their parents, their families that are supporting of their queer children and here's how you can do it if you are within that capacity or in that situation so with the seminar we had them come in and we explained to them okay the reason why we want to do this is we want to know how do we support you right because we know for the queer being you know they experience homophobia they they have all this hate but like as an ally what is your, where are you lacking? What are your limitations? As a parent, what are your limitations? As a queer parent, what is your limitation as a child? Because the child is also fed heteronormativity outside of the home. So how do you then handle that, right? So we had conversations that brought, like it was very thorny. We had impactful moments where someone would say things that they've never said out loud. Right. Um, There's a parent that shared that they had a difficulty understanding how to deal with when a family member participated in corrective rape towards their queer child and 
they didn't know how to do that because also we have patriarchy that is thriving, right? Mm. And economic oppression that is not there. She couldn't just pick up and leave and save her child, right? So it was very um, difficult for her to know. And she she even said, I feel like I, I failed my, my daughter in that regard. And I don't know how to deal with it. And the fact that I'm in a room with other parents and such supportive people, it feels amazing for me to be able to get this off my chest. I feel free yeah. now that I know what to do next and what to move forward with, right? Mm. And then uh, we had a member who was part of the SGBU who said to us that they're going to bring us on board and have meetings with specific um, schools in Soweto predominantly on how we can have trainings for teachers when, because in the classroom, you know, five out of 10 of the children are queer or questioning their sexuality. Sexuality is something that is always going to be there. Mm. And we also trying to break outside of the binary. So we were teaching the parents and the families and the allies what exactly it means for them to be in the sector and what they can do in their different spaces, right? And it was, we noticed as well that we had a lack of psychosocial support, right? Because some of the conversations were very, they were very dense mm. and you can't just, you know, when you're facilitating and you're running a conversation, you want to connect with the person and make them feel safe. But at the same time, there's a schedule, there's a plan for other topics that we need to touch on. So I think as something that we wish for as an organization, we want to be able to have either someone that's a counselor or psychologist that can come on board and help us when we deal with these things because there's trauma at the basis of it. And we don't want to handle it in a way that feels rushed and we don't really dissect the issues as opposed to saying, oh, that happened to you, but here's how you fix it. Mm. You know, that's that's never going to go where we want it to go. It's going to limit us in the long run. So we noticed that in the seminar. But after the seminar, we had a fun time. Um, all the parents were excited about pride. We came up with a pledge and we explained to them that we're going to have like this splash mob. We're going to stop the, the march and, you know, we're going to hold up these club cards. They were all excited. They were like, oh, I want to hold this up. This resonates with me. I know that my child is queer and I want everyone to know that I love my child, you know? And they got dressed up and it was very exciting for them to notice that, like to, to know that they, they feel like this is something they want to be a part of. Mm. They were not forced to. They were very forthcoming and it also affirmed that what we are doing is very much needed. It's very much required because families are scared. Families are misinformed. You know, the television that we watch does not portray queerness in a way that is in a positive light. Whenever you see a queer story being told, it's always how when you come out, your family isolates you, the hate crime takes place and that's it, mm -hmm. you know, and that doesn't inspire anyone that's queer to be like, oh, I should explore myself we want to see love stories we want to see queer people thrive you mm. know and it there's different types of queerness like a gay man doesn't always have to be having the colored hair and the flamboyance you know you can identify as gay and still be within your masculinity it's possible mm. right so we have those kind of conversations and they were excited we had the flash mob it was a huge success we had the parents corner after that, where we announced when we had the pl the pledge reading, we said, okay, everyone, we understand that some people don't have the privilege of a loving family. They don't have the privilege of an accepting family. And we know how hard it is. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have a corner.
where parents are going to be sitting, waiting to give out hugs and tell you that you're worthy of love and that you matter. Mm. And we had a flood of people coming in. I think on our social platform, we had a video where we captured every hug. We gave people stickers. There were people who arrived and they just got so emotional. They were like, I have never seen a woman this old understand what it is to be queer and supported and I wish my mother was still alive or my aunt or whoever. You know, they would share how touching it was for them. So it was amazing. It was genuinely like a huge success. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can definitely attest to that because I was at the Soweto Pride and and that moment when, and I'm even getting teary now thinking about it, but that moment when the mothers stood forward and they stood so proud, mm-hmm. You know, um, and just to validate their children, because at the end of the day, parents just want to love their children. You know, so so that that was just also that 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 moment at the at the at the march in Soweto was the highlight of my day because I just there's so many so many families that that don't understand, and if they could just get this education and just get this hug, even you know, um, mm. because it's it's just about it's just about um, following that process of empathy and 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 listening and understanding. You know, it's not that complex. What I also, you mentioned that, you know, in terms of, of, of uh, psychosocial support that you definitely need, I think that's also very important. And, and you, you also highlighted the fact that it's not going to happen in a day because we know that the mm-hmm. healing journey, journey is not linear. Uh, in terms mm-hmm. of other support, what, 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 um, what other support would you, are you looking for and um, looking at the programs next year, what type of support would you need? So whenever we have events, um, just to track back a bit, recently on the 3rd of December, we partnered with um, the West Queer Carnival um, in the West Rand, Mm. right? Uh, And we had a Bring a Family Member Day. So we had a session where we had like dialogues about reproductive rights, how to be a better ally, you know, and we had the room was full with different age groups. So the conversation had to be engaging so that everyone was, you know, on the same page. Mm. And I had the honor of facilitating that um, conversation with Virginia. So we noticed that there's a lot of information that we have. And oftentimes in the queer sector, we end up preaching to the choir. Um, People know this and they know, okay, what's so sad, but how do we then get it to our allies? How do we get it to our families? Because those are the people that need it most. They need to have those tools. So it's about getting the funding to spread that information without being limited because we could only you know, have a specific number of people. We had to turn some people away, unfortunately, to say, no, we had full capacity. Mm. And because we cater for these people as well, um, transport and food, it's limiting because of the money that we have, because we, we can't say come to an event and we know we go to underprivileged communities. We can't say come to an event and people don't know how to get there. Mm. People can't, you know, feed themselves when they're there. So we also understand, we see the humanness within our work. We don't just say come, we want to give information and do the right thing. Mm. And, you know, we want to put family because that is the basis of our work, love and acceptance, you know, and to feel safe and grow that awareness and share the knowledge. Mm. So yeah, it's it would be amazing to get funders that allow us to have these bigger events that are grow- beyond what we can. We would love to spread 
beyond South Africa because I, I had the opportunity of traveling to Kenya recently mm. and for an Africa convening with one of our donors. And some of the participants that came would say, we wish we had organizations like PeepSec in our country. Mm. Our families are not receiving this. You know, our mothers are limited. How do we how do we do this, mm. right? And then there's someone who is from um, Kirkenstedt. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. It's between Russia. It's a country. Oh, right. Yeah. And he's a trans man and he says his mother had to start a movement similar to ours um, with mobilizing parents and telling them that we need to support our children. And in Russia, the laws are very different. So it was a very bold move. And they then went to communicate and say it would be nice to partner, you know, and, and grow the, the movement of, you know, love and acceptance within families and homes. So that is all reliance on funding, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, you know, from a practical point, because you might have somebody who doesn't have access to large amounts of funding, but if they run a transport company uh, in terms of assisting with, with transport between communities or a catering company mm-hmm. and providing the food, uh, you mentioned um, that you're in a various provinces. Which provinces have you have you been into so far? So um, during the course of the year, we have activities that we do. One that is mostly been annually mm-hmm. is with um, Gasi Sukasi Queer Film Festival. Um, it's run by Ntlantla and um, Fani. They have screenings where they showcase queer films. Mm. And then they invite us to partner with them and we can have dialogues with these people that attend the screenings. And then we explain to them Sogisek and what it means, sexual orientation, gender identity, sex characteristics, all of that. And we notice how some of this information about something that is always there. We've had um, a child, I think, who's like in their late teens, say, I, I didn't know that I'm actually trans until today. I just thought I was a flamboyant gay person, but I'm noticing that I don't feel a part of this, you know, masculine and male cis body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you notice that the information is very much diluted. When people think trans, it's very, it's one image. You know, when people think gay men, it's one image. So when we have these screenings in different provinces, we went to Venda, um, they went to KZN, I'm not sure where else they went because I was not um, a part of the team when they were doing that activity. But I know that it was different parts of rural communities where these, this information is not easily accessible. Mm, mm. Yes. Yeah, I know. I know also that there was a bit of um, presence in Northwest Province as well, which is really, really great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so moving forward, I'm uh, going to say thank you once again because this work is so needed. Uh, and we want to wish you the best and want to help you grow. And so I'm calling out to my listeners. Uh, all of their contact details are attached to this, um, along with their bank details for donations. If you want to reach out, if you want to learn more, this is also a great opportunity for corporates to get involved. Uh, we know that there's a big uh, scramble when it comes to 16 Days of Activism or Women's Month or, or Pride Month. And people just want to suddenly throw money at, at unnecessary campaigns. This is something where you could really invest into learning and educating. Because in order for us to, to break those chains, we need to unlearn. 
we need to to unlearn the the negativities, the patriarchy, the misogyny, the you know what we've been taught from from an early age, and they continue to learn. You know, and it's for all of us. I may, I may have been in the activism space for nearly two decades, but every single day I'm still learning. Uh, congratulations again to the to the team. Thank you for for providing those beautiful moments, like like that moment at Soweto Pride. I'll never ever forget it. Uh, and and I and I know it's also just seeping into into certain households there where a young queer body could be sitting there thinking, okay, well now I feel validated. They might not be getting it from their actual biological mother, but they know that somebody else out there um, sees them and 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 loves them and believes in, in in who they are. So I salute you all. Thank you so much. And you know, just to touch on what you mentioned of sixteen days of activism. We recently were invited by the Denmark Embassy and they had a podcast as well where mm. they spoke about um, how we can comment and what can we do differently. And the, well, the guest speaker that we also had was um, Dads in the Picture. And oftentimes when we have our workshops, it's mostly mothers. Mm. It's always mothers, right? And we love the mothers, but... At the end of the day, we need everyone and all hands on deck. So when organizations like that in the picture um, exist, we know that at least there's someone else who's doing what we're lacking in and we can partner with them as well. Mm. And yeah, the podcast was there and we had the conversation about how we can, in our homes, we can remove the binary and raise human beings and not boys and girls because that also it, it makes the idea of sexuality even more rigid mm. like oh no how how do you then want to be a lesbian but you are a girl right mm. and we've had another issue where a mother would say i don't i'm not homophobic i just feel that my daughter is becoming so much of you know so hyper masculine and they're perpetuating patriarchy and they say to me they're not gonna perform like their chores in my home mm. and it, it seems like I'm not accepting of their sexuality but the issue was not that it's that you still need to perform your duties as a child in the household right mm. so we then uh, approach young queer people that attend our functions that because you are within this space you must understand that you can't perpetuate other systems that are also oppressing us yeah how do you then empower yourself and the people that are around you so we we, we always lead with the feminist principles that okay how do you empower yourself? How do you equip yourself? You can't say because you're a lesbian and then you also want to have intimate partner violence with your partner mm. because you are the masculine. Now you must, that that is not right, right? So we always touch on those things and we make sure we don't leave any stone unturned. Yeah, that's so, so, so important. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and and uh, do you have anything planned for any queer mass or any... Um, festive um, events that are happening. So if somebody wants to donate, don't, like, obviously donate food or anything like that over the festive season? Um, last year we had planned to have a queer um, Christmas picnic, right, for queer people that have not been accepted in their homes and don't have anywhere to go for Christmas because some people don't have that. We don't have that privilege, like you said in the beginning. But funding didn't come through. And this year, unfortunately, the schedules of our team members have been all over the place. Mm. Um, so we could not have that event. But we are looking to do that in the future so that we know we're building a family. To know that as much as you don't have it where you are, you can always come to Peeps again. Yeah. You are going to be welcome with warm hugs and love. So, 
yeah, that's what our plans are moving forward and working a lot with um, the school governing bodies so that our kids are safe at school because that's where they spend most of their time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much again for your time. Um, from Lizati Healing Space, uh, I think we should have a, a conversation next year to see you know, how we could offer um, possibly online counseling um, and depending on what our resources are, but just you know, ongoing and seeing what support we can provide there. But uh, just from a, from a queer mass point of view, we've also secured a little bit of, not a lot, just a, a couple of hundreds of rands, which we'll be sending through to you um, and use it wherever oh, you need to. So just thank you so much for the work that you do. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Rosie. We really appreciate it, you know, and may God bless you. And Magwandi Lakwilakon, that's a Zulu proverb that says where it comes from, we hope more comes flying in. Oh, beautiful. So, thank you so much.